0: Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners, to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. We are here to recap day two of the Senior Bowl, which once again was very action packed with a lot of highlight plays from certain individuals, both of that we talked about yesterday, and some newcomers that really showed out on day two. Of course, there was more Bucks news with the offensive coordinator coaching search and some more positions that they have to find on the coaching staff with a retiring of a pretty notable figure amongst the Bucs coaching staff. We're going to get into all of it. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is the face that runs the place at pewterreport.com. SR Scott Reynolds, and Scott, of course, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the great Celsius essentials that we have right now in our hands. I am rocking the Blue Crush, and you have the orange. Orange Sickle. This is fantastic. It's one of my favorite
2: flavors. I like the, the traditional orange, don't get me wrong, but the orange sickle, the essential uh, version, is, is tremendous. And it's also these huge cans. These mm-hmm. are like regular size cans. They're not the thin cans. The Skinny Cans, uh, I like both, but, boy, these essentials, they've given us the essential energy we've needed for your Senior Bowl coverage. And it's not just been Senior Bowl coverage, Matt. Yes. This week <laughs> has been full of Bucks news from Tampa. Even though we're up here in Mobile, Alabama, Jason Light is not here. Todd Bowles is not here. Assistant General Managers Mike Greenberg and John Spitek are not here. They're all back in Tampa doing interviews. Mm-hmm. And not just for offensive coordinator, but it seems like every day – there's another hole to fill. This is like whack-a-mole a little bit for the Buccaneers and their coaching staff. But folks, I'm telling you, not all of these moves are necessarily bad and not all these moves hurt the team. I think the Buccaneers can find some upgrades at offensive
0: line coach and special teams coordinator, Matthew. Yeah, a little bit of a uh, addition by subtraction, some would say, with the latest news that broke. Actually, when we were on our way back to where we are staying in Mobile, Alabama, Special teams coach and coordinator Keith Armstrong is retiring. He will no longer be the special teams coach for the Bucks. no longer working with Jake Camarda and hopefully Chase McLaughlin if they can re-sign him. So a changing of the guard once again. They already have to figure out the offensive coordinator situation, wide receivers coach, <laughs> offensive line coach, and now you can add special teams into that mix Uh, But like we said, Scott, this isn't necessarily the most painstaking of news for the Bucs and Bucs fans. So is this an upgrade? Kind of depends on who comes in for Tampa Bay. But nonetheless, Keith Armstrong no longer with the Bucs after uh, spending a good amount of time here in Tampa Bay. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I think the Buccaneers, you
2: know, they they probably want to get a little bit more aggressive on special teams, right? We've seen Todd Bowles. Kind of shift his philosophy for the better. He's going for it now more on fourth downs. We saw at the end of the season. Matt, he actually used some timeouts in the first half. Finally, But he didn't use one at the end of the Lions Nine. game. Nope. But, you know, it's a work in progress, right? Um, I think Todd Bowles is remaking and reshaping this staff in his own image. And uh, this may not be the last departure that we see. This might be a situation, and, and I'm speculating because I don't know the answer. We're probing um, some sources, but I've not heard this definitively. But I would not be surprised if this is a, you know, hey, we're we're looking to move on, Keith. So either you can retire or we're going to replace you. I I think that's the case. I don't know if that's the case, but I know that was the case last year with Clyde Christensen. They were going to fire Clyde Christensen, the quarterback's coach. He opted for retirement instead and and decided to go out on his own terms that way. And uh, so there will be a new offensive coordinator. Now, when you look at the Buccaneers and their coaching staff, they have holes at offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. wide receiver with Brad Idzik leaving to go to Carolina to join Dave Canales, uh, Joe Gilbert, the offensive line coach, the run game coordinator, and also the other line coach, Harold Goodwin. So that's four. Yeah. Then you throw in Keith Armstrong, the special teams coordinator. That's five vacancies. Um a couple of moves that I wouldn't mind seeing happening, and I'm not calling for these, these gentlemen to lose their jobs, but I wasn't terribly thrilled with the job that George Edwards did. I think that, that maybe that there's a better outside linebackers coach out there. Um, if he stays, I don't necessarily have a problem with it, but if you're, if you're working at revamping the coaching staff and trying to get better across the board, I think that's an area you look at the outside linebacker production. The dips in numbers from Shaq Barrett, Joe tryon Shuinka went from four sacks to five. I know Yaya Diaby came on the scene, mm-hmm. but uh, Anthony Nelson, Cam Gill, there wasn't any breakout from some of those reserves outside of Diaby. Um, I, I think that maybe Marquise Watts' role was suppressed at the end of the year. I would like to see him more as a pass rusher. And then also, you know, quarterback. I, I think Rashad Johnson is a young, up-and-coming guy. I like Kevin Ross, but he's getting to be an older coach. Yeah. So maybe they want to go with with some younger people in some of these positions and and bring some fresh blood and some new ideas to the table.
0: So it sounds like it's pretty much an overhaul for uh, most of the coaching staff. And even if it's a new offensive coordinator, if it's not an in-house coordinator or someone interviewing for the job, which we'll talk about in just a moment, why is the head coach still around if they have to revamp everything else? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a good question. But it
2: seems like this team is committed uh, for the 2024 season with Todd Bowles. They're giving him license to to revamp some of, of uh, the roster here. And, and if, uh, if Joe Gilbert and Harold Goodwin want to go to Carolina instead, maybe that's the situation where the Bucks are maybe happy to see him go. They want this team to run the ball better. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, as we said last night on the program, for the last five years, with Harold Goodwin and Joe Gilbert, the pass protection has been great. Tampa Bay's sack yes. numbers have gone down, but the run game has never really taken off. I think mean, 24th was the highest ranking they've achieved, and, and the team was was dead last in rushing over the last two years. So that doesn't look great for the run game coordinator when, no. when it comes to that. So I think Tampa Bay can find some upgrades at offensive line coach, and, and I,
0: th- I think they're going to find an upgrade with special teams as well. Thanks to a Bucks basement for this 4.99 super chat. Who's saying addition by subtraction? Bucks lose the worst run coach in the league, bad old line coach, and now Armstrong. Great day for Bucks fans. So again, I don't know if this necessarily took us by surprise. I, I guess you can sit here and say, oh, I guess they're just going into another season with Keith Armstrong, but. While the I think the overall coverage, because I mean how much can a special teams coach do if the kicker just misses wide left or yep. wide right or the punter keeps punting it into the end zone? Not that Jay Kamarta did that too much last year. he's one of the best uh, at hitting people deep. but I, I think coverage and um, how you design attacks or how to stop other teams out there, That was a big struggle for the Bucs, especially in, like, 2021 and 2022. I think they got better at it in 2023, but also you can question how much of that is the fact that in today's NFL, the kickoff is essentially a glorified, hey, start at the 25, and Kamarda may have been able to mask a couple of things um, in the punt return game. But that's another thing I'd like to see as well, with all due respect to Devin Tompkins. I think he's been okay, but I wouldn't mind seeing – Uh, a bigger upgrade in the return game as well with the returner, a little bit more speed, a little bit tougher to take down. And I guess we'll see in the eyes of the new special teams coordinator whenever that gets decided, but big, big changes are already going on, but just got even a little bit bigger today with the news of
2: Keith Armstrong. I'm not sure because news is happening so fast. And we're here in Mobile watching some of these top senior Bowl prospects in addition to following the Buccaneer News and reporting on it, but I'm not sure Rich Passaccia's status, but gosh, if they can get that guy. He was one of the absolute best here in Tampa, and I would love to see him come back. I think he's one of the premier special teams coaches uh, in the league that the league's ever had.
0: Yeah, and he has a lot of respect of a lot of players around the league. Remember, before the whole Antonio Pierce thing yeah. with the – I was about to say Oakland, the Las Vegas Raiders – Passaccia was in that situation of, hey, he took over as an interim coach, helped turn the team around a little bit. And there were a lot of people proverbially banging the table to say, let's make Rich Basaccia the the head coach of the Raiders. And I think Las Vegas learned their lesson from what happened with Passaccia that they decided, okay, let's not make this mistake again with Antonio Pierce, which – Hey, good on you, Raiders, but the only person that hates hearing that is Passaccia. (laughs) That doesn't get the opportunity. So, yeah, he did go to Green Bay, and, of course, he um, has history in Tampa Bay as well. So, yeah, I I think that would be cool to see. I mean, would you rather stay in Green Bay in Wisconsin where it's freezing cold or go to Tampa Bay where – you got an opportunity. I, I'm not sure about his contract situation, but
2: uh, he is technically right now still the head coach. I'm sorry, the assistant head coach and the special teams coordinator for the Packers. Um, but like Joe Gilbert and Harold Goodwin, their contracts expired at the mm-hmm. end of the season, and they were essentially free agents, and they, they decided to go to Carolina. So, um, yeah, lots of news happening on the coaching situation there. Also to put up a story and I'll, I'll drop it in the chat here too. Let's talk about the offensive coordinator position. Cause that's yeah. really the, the big one. Um, Buccaneers had had two pretty good interviews with a couple of, of candidates, uh, obviously Alex Van Pelt, the former Browns, um, offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, obviously knows Baker Mayfield. They have that rapport. Um, and also Brian Robinson from the Eagles. Now, I know that a lot of fans are probably thinking, well, Robinson just got fired. Jalen Hurts regressed. The offense, you know, kind of went down the tubes and was part of the reason for that one in five slide, actually, one in six when you include the loss to Tampa Bay in the playoffs after a 10 and one start to the season. Wasn't all Brian Johnson, though. And that's about all I can get into right now. But I I will say this. I, I believe that that Brian Johnson and Alex Van Pelt probably the front runners right now for the offensive coordinator position in Tampa. And for a couple of reasons. I think first of all, they have some experience calling plays. And I think that helps. If you look at at the relationship that Baker Mayfield has with Alex Van Pelt, those two years working together in Cleveland probably gives Van Pelt a little bit of an edge there. But when you look at the fact that both of those teams, Philadelphia and Cleveland, what do they do? They run the ball. Mm-hmm. What does Todd Bowles want to do? He wants to run the ball, have a commitment to it. And that was kind of the mandate and the reason why they went out and got Dave Canales from where? Seattle, the team that likes to run the ball. So both of those guys, Van Pelt and, and uh, Johnson, have a couple of things in common. They both have play calling experience. They both come from teams that like to run the ball, have a commitment to it, and then also incorporate the play action pass, the RPO game, right from uh, for, for Philadelphia. And those are some styles that we've seen really fit Baker Mayfield well. Yeah. So nothing's official. They're still going to interview a couple of in house candidates. One of those guys uh, is, is new to the the, re, the reporting element of this and that's john van dam i think they're they're giving him a courtesy interview yeah because that one surprised me
0: i was like yeah. wait what the, the tight ends coach all of a sudden all of a sudden he's getting an opportunity there's only right. so many guys remaining in the room but yeah that was the some more news that john van dam is, is having an interview and then of course quarterback's coach Thad Lewis we were questioning that for a little bit that had been interviewing with a couple other teams for their offensive coordinator vacancies why wouldn't the bucks do the same with thad lewis but that is going down Thad lewis has been in the organization for a little while now started as an intern in that 2020 season when the bucks won the super bowl went on to be an assistant wide receivers coach in tampa bay and then of course last year got upgraded to the quarterbacks coach which is his natural position what he played at duke and where he played in the nfl as well so I think it's always good when you have a coach and there's a lot of coaches that have this too, but where they've had to look at a couple of different pieces and different parts in an offense with him, with the wide receivers, as we just mentioned, and now the quarterback. So you got two more in-house candidates that are interviewing for the Bucks' offensive coordinator job. And, To get back to that run game and emphasizing that a little bit more, I do wonder, though, is it just, hey, we need to run the ball more efficient because we were dead last last two years? Or is this going to be somewhat of a makeover of how the Bucs' offense looks in case not everybody comes back, whether it's Baker Mayfield, whether, God forbid, it's, it's Mike Evans and the fact that Chris Godwin only has one more year. Because if Baker's back and if Mike Evans is back, you go, hey, that's still a pretty good uh, aerial attack with those receivers yeah. and that quarterback. How much do you necessarily want to run the ball? And this isn't a knock on Rashad White at all, but I don't right. know if Rashad White should necessarily be a bell cow of this offense when you have some of the that other guys. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that that's just something that I would wonder a little bit. Yeah, I agree.
2: And, and we'll see. I, mean, I think Van Dam, because he's been with the team since the 2020 season, I believe, and then... um uh, Thad Lewis, who you know has been the quarterbacks coach and assistant receivers coach before that, they're going to be getting some courtesy interviews with the Buccaneers. And you never know; like when you have an opportunity, you have a, a chance to impress people. We'll see what happens. But I think those two guys, Van Pelt and Dad Lewis, are—I'm not Thad Lewis—Brian uh, Johnson are the leaders in the clubhouse right now. Thanks
0: to Bucks Rule Four Six Six Nine for this ten-dollar super chat, who says. <laughs> why are the Bucs not interested in someone like Frank Reich proven track record as an offensive coordinator and also probably would not get another head coaching gig and allow the Bucks to have offensive continuity. Well, I, I think that
2: with Frank Reich, it's kind of simple. He's making an awful lot of money right now, not yeah. to coach. Right. So um, there could be an offset situation, but um, I, I don't know if there's, if there's some language in there because he's a head coach. Sometimes you see that at the coordinator level or the, co- the assistant level where if someone's under contract, they get fired, the other team will, will pay them, and then there'll be an offset, right, where, where the, yeah. the coach will actually kind of double dip a little bit. But with head coaches, that's very uncommon. I, I don't think that that's the case. He's getting paid head coach money uh, not to coach.
0: So I think that's what Not he's doing Not the worst job. Right I mean, Charlie Weiss did it for years when he drove Notre yeah. Dame into the ground. So <laughs> exactly, well <laughs> said, well said. Yeah. So uh, we'll we'll see with that. Let's get to a couple other comments as well because uh, a lot of people are are, are talking about this Bucks situation. Uh, Christopher Oxentine, a constant commenter on this team, says, "I'm surprised that George Edwards hasn't been fired." Yeah, we talked about this um, a little bit before. It's interesting because we've seen with Todd Bowles, um, he's pulled the plug on offensive coaches. He did it with Byron Leftwich. And, you know, there's been obviously Canales wasn't uh, by his choice, but we've seen him say, All right, Kevin Garber. Yeah, Kevin Garber Garber as well. We need to go and and make some changes. Todd McNair, running back. Yeah. And there's been a couple of tweaks on the defensive side, whether it was, uh, Lori Locus leaving or, um, Bob Sanders yeah. departing as well. He retired too, yeah. but what it was, what type of retirement, <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> that doesn't need to be debated. Um, uh, but we haven't seen bowls make in, at least from what I recall, like a gigantic, big type of uh, move such as that, where you just brought in George Edwards after one year and, yeah. Yeah, Yaya Diaby played well, but does that offset what JTS did and what Shaq Barrett did? I don't necessarily know.
2: Yeah, and, and I, I'm not going to besmirch Yaya Diaby at all, not on the show. Uh, we're fans of Yaya, but at the same time, he is a rookie. And if you look at the pass rush win rates and the amount of pass rush snaps he had, um, the seven and a half sacks that he, that he collected as a rookie, it's a good number, but those are just essentially eight plays mm. right out of all of those, those other plays he's got to become more of a factor on a down in, down out basis. And I want to say two of those sacks, I believe were chasing quarterbacks out of bounds, which still counts statistically and it still results in negative yardage. So when yeah. you bring him down to the ground with the sack or you're, you're chasing J J uh, Josh Allen out of bounds for your first sack, as you did in Buffalo, if you're Yaya Diaby, um, uh, he just he's got some more room to grow and improve and, and really becoming more of a consistent threat mm. to the quarterback that's going to be his next step i think is is to increase that pass rush win rate and become more of a factor as a pass rusher more pressures more sacks et cetera good start to his career, but is George Edwards the guy that's going to Take him to the next level, I'm not
0: sure. Yeah, riding the uh, the Michael Parsons wave for yeah. uh, a little bit too long. I saw this comment, and it intrigued me from Big Al, who says, Baker going to the Vikings. Now, I, I wouldn't necessarily bank on that. However, Kirk Cousins is not under contract with the Minnesota Vikings, and he's coming off a serious season-ending injury. So there is always that risk, kind of like what we saw with Shaq Barrett Last year, after uh, his torn Achilles and coming back this season for it, do you 100% believe that um, you're going to get the same type of production from a quarterback that's played at a pretty high level with Kirk Cousins? I know there's always the joke that he could never play in prime time, but overall, he's in the upper tier of quarterbacks compared to what we've seen from the rest of the league. So, what if Minnesota says, Oh, you know what? We don't want to pay. Kirk Cousins, all of that money, especially because he's up there in age and coming off of an injury where right. you can go, okay, we're, we'll still have to pay Baker, but probably not as much as Kirk Cousins. And Kevin O'Connell believes that he can work with Baker Mayfield. It's a little bit of a musical chairs type yeah. of situation. And what what do the Bucks do after that is uh, is a big question and a scary question too. Yeah, I mean, if you're Baker Mayfield, right – you, you owe something
2: to Tampa because they gave you a shot at resuscitating your career, which you did. And, and part of that was the Buccaneers' support system and the opportunity, right? The other part of it was the talent here. Throwing to Mike Evans, not, not a bad thing. Chris Godwin as well, 1,000-yard mm-hmm. receiver. This offense seemed to fit Baker-like it love. And if you're going to bring in, let's say, someone like Alex Van Pelt and has some familiarity, you probably feel comfortable about that. At the end of the day, though, you don't play football for free. And keep in mind Baker Mayfield. There have been some reports where he lost twelve million dollars, and we can't confirm that. But yeah, but th- th- there, there supposedly was some financial loss there. Then you throw in the fact that he only made four million dollars last year. Now he did make a couple million more as uh, incentives and bonus money, but still under ten million dollars for Baker Mayfield. And he looks around the league and he says, "Well." There's Daniel Jones making $40 million a year. There's Deshaun Watson, who's not nearly as good as, as I was in Cleveland, making $46 million a year. So I know that people have kind of been fixating on the number of Geno Smith, the three-year, $25 million. Right. Um, I, I think he's going to make more than that. Josh Capo believes $27, $28 million you know, per year uh, is is probably more reasonable. But I tell you, if Minnesota gets into – uh, a bidding war with the Buccaneers. If, if Atlanta jumps in, Atlanta might feel like they're one player away from igniting that offense that has Tyler Algier, yep. B. John Robinson, John O. Smith, Kyle Pitts at tight end. Drake London, Drake London at receiver. Um, you upgrade Desmond Ritter and, and Taylor Heineke with the Baker Mayfield. Yep. And all of a sudden, that's a double whammy. It's a death blow to Tampa Bay because now they don't have a quarterback except for Kyle Trask, unproven. And then Atlanta's gotten better. So I'm a little fearful that if Baker Mayfield does go into free agency, and maybe he wants to free agency, maybe he wants yeah. to ignite a little bit of a bidding war and see what other options are out there. Yeah. I mean, his market's never been higher. He's That's hitting the true. market at the right time. This could be a situation where I know if I'm his agent, I'm saying he's better than Daniel Jones better than Deshaun Watson and maybe not 46 million that Watson's making. Maybe not right. the 40 million Daniel Jones is making. Um, but I want to say Ryan Tannehill was also making 36 million. So that could be a situation where that number could really rise up above $30 million for Baker Mayfield. And if the Buccaneers do meet that, the problem is they've got Levante David. They've got uh, Anton Winfield. They've got Mike Evans. They've got Chase McLaughlin right, and Baker Mayfield. Those are some big-name free agents that they have to resign. If you go from that guesstimate number of $27, $28 million and you have to end up paying Baker Mayfield, say, $32 million, it's $5 million that you could be putting towards an edge rusher, $5 million you could be putting towards a strong safety or interior offensive line, and it's one less player that you're going to get in free agency than that that
0: you might have to address now in the draft, and you might have to start a rookie rather than finding some veteran help in free agency. And it seems like, especially at quarterback, they're always looking to reset the market. But speaking of markets, there's one product out there that has cornered the market as the best energy drink around, and that is Celsius Energy Drinks, the official energy drinks of the Peter Report podcast. I cannot recommend enough the celsius essentials especially the blue crush i like the blue crush i like the arctic vibe Um, big fan of all the flavors though can't go wrong with any of them but check out the new celsius essentials they got 275 milligrams of caffeine but absolutely no sugar at all whatsoever you can get the three flavor variety pack over uh, at walmart you can get them at 7-elevens nationwide they have built a formula that helps give you the best physical performance that you are looking for to elevate your game to the next level. So whether you want the Celsius essentials or maybe some of the old school flavors like the Fuji apple pear, the sparkling orange, the sparkling watermelon, whatever it may be. If you need to know where to find a Celsius energy drink, you might be in Mobile like us right now. You might be anywhere in the United States looking for Celsius Go to the Celsius store locator, punch in your address, and it'll tell you the closest geographical location where you can pick one up. It could be at a Walmart, 7-Eleven, health and fitness store, or maybe your bodega. And once you keep going to your bodega and you know you love Celsius and you want more of it, that's when you can go and buy it in bulk. I'd recommend getting that variety pack because there's so many awesome flavors of Celsius and variety is the spice of life. Go to Amazon, do that, subscribe and save and have it sent to your place of residence. Whenever you want, you're the captain, you're in charge. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official energy drinks of the Pewter Report podcast. Scott, there was another retirement that Josh Capo told uh, me about, and you may have read it. Um, Anthony Alclair former Tampa Bay Buccaneer yeah. great has retired the reason why we bring that up is we used to have uh that discussion about putting a yep. little bit of money on an Anthony Auclair Profit. touchdown because it was it was so astronomical yeah fortunately never hit it but uh anyway congrats to Anthony Anthony Auclair yep. and good luck post retirement i remember when he was at the East-West Shrine
2: Bowl back when it was in St. Petersburg mm-hmm. and talking to him And the Buccaneers actually had a draftable grade on him. They ended up signing him as an drafted free agent. He played Canadian um, at Canadian College up there. He was actually drafted by the CFL, actually opted to play for the NFL. Why would you want to play for the CFL when you play for the NFL? But uh, played uh, several years here in Tampa as a blocking tight end. Also played for the Houston Texans. Really good guy. Went to a couple of our bowling league events. So uh, happy for Anthony Alclair that he got to have a career in the NFL and make some money and, uh, and play a game that we all love. So uh, very cool. And wishing Anthony Auclair a happy return.
0: Absolutely. All right. Uh, I think we should start talking about the uh, senior bowl. Yeah. All the fun stuff that we saw today um, from practice. You have the national team. Um, they start that's around nine thirty. That's the first practice. And then, the uh, American team is the next team that goes kind of a little bit more in the yeah. afternoon. And there were some more uh, exciting moments, some exciting plays. Early on, I was watching the trenches with the American team. There was a couple of pancakes. There were some great pass rushes. And uh, Leitu, Latu um, was doing his thing as well. So why don't we bring on another Pewter reporter, kind of start dissecting and and breaking down all of uh, what we saw from the Senior Bowl today. Yep. Billy Bailey Adams is going to join us. Yeah,
2: Bailey's going to join us, and um, you know one of the guys that we're going to be writing about, and we have a couple stories. We'll drop some in the um, in the chat here. It, the centers were very, very high on on Ryan Jensen, and the guys we're talking about, of course, are, are J- Jackson Powers Johnson from mm-hmm. Oregon, who actually got hurt. Yeah, and he tr- he hurt his hamstring on Monday. Tried to go on it today and had to to opt out. The other guy is uh, uh, Zach Frazier from West Virginia. Both of those guys, very huge fans of Ryan Jensen. And I think the Buccaneers missed a guy like Ryan Jensen so that they would love to get him. Another guy that our own Adam Slavon is going to be writing about is Cedric Gray, the the North Carolina inside linebacker who's had a a pretty good week here in Mobile. And a physical player, drop-in coverage, can rush the passer, Tampa Bay, you know, they've got KJ Britt. They've got J.J. Russell. One player they're not going to have is Devin White. He's not going to be re-signed. And we'll see if Levante David decides to come back at age 34 for an umpteenth million year in Tampa. (laughs) Hopefully he does, but they're going to need another inside linebacker to perhaps pair with a guy like Servassier Dennis for for the time
0: being. Yeah, absolutely. And um, as Scott said, Devin White getting live somewhere else next season And I don't think you can go into next year as Bailey Adams joins the show. I don't think you can go into next year with just all of your eggs in the KJ Britt basket. And of course, uh, Sarasi Dennis who's more of the backup for Levante David than um, he would be for the Devin white position. But yeah, so there's definitely a couple of linebackers to pay attention to in the draft and in the senior bowl as well. But I want to start with the video that happened early on. Um, one is a pancake, one is the D lineman taking down the offensive lineman. Let's look at this uh, quick little hitter from practice this morning. <laughs> So uh, that first video, the Washington offensive tackle with the pancake, that was uh, Roger Rosengarden. Uh, shout out to the Huskies. Again, pipeline <laughs> of Buccaneers uh, currently on the team. We've we gone through that multiple times. And the Oregon defensive tackle that was doing that work was uh, Brandon uh, Darlis, who I actually spoke to after practice today. They had a little media session with, uh, with everybody at the convention center in Mobile, Alabama. And he's actually training in Tampa at the moment. So a little more familiar with the area than some of the other prospects out there. But uh, Bailey, you were with us today. Um, I know we were all watching different, um, different positions, yeah. different groups and everything, but what kind of stood
1: out to you a little bit? So I think starting with the national teams practice, which was the first one we saw uh, and that wide receiver group has yes. a bunch of studs in it. I mean, that, that's one of the things I spent a lot of time watching the wide receivers and the DBs in that first practice. And, Malachi Corley is a guy who I think we've talked about a little bit mm. on the podcast and, and was, I think believe, in the, in the initial Peter Port mock draft. He was. Um, yes, he was. Just He had this one play where he took an end around on a reverse and had, I mean, it was well, a well-run play, a well-blocked play, had so much space to run. And, you know, he, he gets probably 15, 20 yards on the field, lowers his shoulder at the end of the play for probably the first big pop we heard yes. um, throughout throughout the week so far. So. So showing off some physicality toward the end of that run, and kind of just showed what he can do in terms of you know not just catching passes, but being that kind of guy who who has some versatility to him. Um, another guy we talked about, Brendan Rice, yesterday from USC. I think a little bit more of an up and down day today. Um, still f- found some ways to get separation, um, and I, I think on the whole it has had a pretty good week, looking good for himself. Um, Ricky Pearsall, the, the, yes. the Florida Florida receiver, continues on. to be one of the more impressive wide receivers out there between both teams and a guy I didn't really know much about coming into the week and a guy now that I'm going to probably dive a lot further into going forward because of the type of week he's had so far. And then I've got to shout out my guy, Jayvon Baker from UCF. Yes. So he's, he's been out there with, and a lot, that's what I noticed from a lot of these guys in the national team, just the separation they get. And, and I know some of it's been, you know, maybe some poor play on the, on the DB side, but There's just been some – the route running of these guys is is crazy to watch at some points.
0: Yeah, it really is. I want to talk about uh, Pearsall a a little bit more. Obviously, a lot of Florida Gators in in the chats, in the comments. Pretty split between Florida and Florida State, but uh, we can get into that another time. It's so interesting to watch him. And to your point, there's been a ton of different wide receivers that – and let's face it when it's one-on-ones it's a little bit more dictated for the wide receiver understandably there's no pass rush the quarterback has all day the defense has no help the corner in that situation or safety in that situation has no help but with all of that said Pearsall is just separating himself at an incredible rate and it's almost one of those things it's like is this guy truly balling out or is there just a lack of production and performance or even athleticism from some of the corners and the safeties that are out there i haven't fully determined that just yet but uh for sure Pearsall is a guy that i think a lot of people should be paying attention to when the combine gets around and when uh you know when the draft gets closer too to see who the Bucks have uh, meetings with moving forward.
1: Yeah, and somehow out, out of all of the guys I just mentioned, I forgot to mention Roman Wilson, who I think has been another yeah. one who has been over the first, the course of course, the first two days has had some highlight plays. The Michigan wide receiver, and I think had the best catch we've seen all week. Toward the end of practice, he made a one-handed catch uh, near the sideline, where I think he ended up on his back somehow. Somehow brings the ball in, and one of the more impressive, most athletic things we've seen this week, but. Yeah, I mean, the wide receivers on the whole have been, been very impressive on the national side. Um, and then a lot of the stuff in the trenches has been extremely fun to watch. There's been a lot of give and take on those sides. I think the D-line is, in a lot of cases, gotten the better of the O-line. But there's been some some outstanding uh, individual performances. We talked about Jackson Power Johnson yesterday. And uh, unfortunate that he he has is dealing with a hamstring injury and kind of fuzzy on when that occurred. Because I know that there was some talk on NFL Network today that, he kind of did. He played through yesterday. He played yeah. through that hamstring injury, and to to for him to do that and the type of day he put together was you know quite quite the feat for him because um, I think he's only going to see his his stock rise from you know the day and a half of practices that he's put in so far.
0: You got to respect a guy that's still willing to play hurt even in a game that doesn't count. And yes, yes. you are putting on a job interview essentially for the NFL at the next level but you don't want to risk it and get hurt because we've seen other guys maybe not necessarily the senior bowl but late games in the season even Jordan Travis the Florida State quarterback I think is a good example like at this point he would be getting ready for the draft I probably would imagine he'd be at the senior bowl just given like where he would be at the moment so you always got to look out for that I think Josh Capo was talking yesterday about when when he was speaking to, to certain people in the media, he was just like, yeah, I love contact. I love physicality. Yeah. Like that's what it's all about. So that guy, we will not stop talking about him as the draft process goes along. I do want to talk about a couple of defensive side um, starting with good thing. Scott's not on the show at the moment. Cause we're going to talk about a uh, Kansas player real quick. Austin uh, Booker really had a great day. There was like, three times in a row where he just got the better of the offensive lineman in front of him, showed some quickness, got after the quarterback quickly. There was one, it was a botched snap. He was right there. He got up and started screaming after he got the sack. You love to see that type of um, intensity and, and and just overall aggressiveness that you want from a defensive lineman and defensive end edge rusher, whatever you want to call it. Um, the other guy I wanted to mention from the Ohio State, um, but man, they lost to Michigan, whatever. But anyway, uh, Michael Hall showed a little bit of everything today, was able to just have a strong power push all the way back into the quarterback. That um, it, it was actually Sam Hartman that was throwing at the time, pushed the lineman back into Hartman, and the, the ball was already let go, but just seeing that physicality. He had two other sacks in the 11-on-11 11 11 periods, so showing consistency out there. And then the thing I liked as well, there was one where the quarterback was rolling to the outside. He got up after it and had a pass breakup and was able to knock the ball away. So showing a little bit of versatility, different areas of his game. That's what scouts and GMs and everybody is looking for especially for a team like the Bucs. I mean, we yeah. know how Todd Bowles loves to mix things up on the defense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think uh, I might have caught the end of that play where you're talking about Hartman because I saw Hartman end up on the ground. And I was like, well, the quarterbacks aren't supposed to get hit. How did that happen? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so that might have been that play. I didn't see the entire play. But, yeah, I think he was one and another was Braden Fisk of Florida State. In yes. The, on the uh, American side where his get off is just it's, it's crazy. I, I think there's – some some parts of his game where he'll need to clean it up and he'll need to probably develop because if he doesn't, if he doesn't beat you right off the snap there. But when he does, you, you I think you were the one probably that was putting that up on uh, on X on Twitter yesterday yeah. where he was just, it was like he was timing up the snap perfectly and he was getting after, you know, the quarterback with with aggression right off the bat. Uh, and the other one is, I think we talked about him coming into the week a lot was to the Texas This defensive lineman is just a giant, giant dude. And he's got so much power to him. And and it was really fun to watch. He had quite a few good reps today. And and the last one was Eric Watts from UConn. was another one who displayed some power that we maybe didn't know that he had. um, And and someone that I'd probably like to watch again
0: uh, tomorrow as we wrap things up here. I got to speak to Fisk later after practices were done. And and there were some other people asking him about oh you're so fast you're so fast and he got asked like what's the best part of his game and he said his motor and everything like that so i kind of took it in another direction i was like all right well you're good at this mm-hmm. you're great at that what are you trying to work on and it was a little He said a little bit of everything but just being a better pass rusher in general and he was able to get and he's a you he, he you lead florida state in, in sacks or anything like that yeah. but he showed a little bit of pass rushing prowess, which could just make it a little bit better. By the way, Mike Allstott is not on the <laughs> podcast today. You may hear that train in the background. The we love the A train, but he's not going to uh, be on the show just yet. So, yeah, Fisk is a guy that I'm a big fan of. Um, really enjoyed what I saw from him. Um, and he's a, he, of course, is also on the American team. There are a couple of guys on the American team that I want to talk about as well before we talk about them i want to show a highlight from two players in particular that these were some sweet sweet plays one was kentucky running back ray davis the other one was south carolina wide receiver xavier leggett i'm not even going to intro the video because i just want you guys to see all the awesomeness All right, everybody, we are back. Apologies for the uh, technical difficulties. We went uh, two straight shows with no technical difficulties at all. But, yeah, we went about two and a half. So (laughs) apologies for that. Sometimes Wi-Fi is out of our control. But we are back. I promise we are back, Bailey and I. But, yeah, so you saw the video. Um, Ray Davis from Kentucky, a guy that's been on our radar. Scott Reynolds wrote about him in the senior bowl preview who could be a fit for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Bailey. And yeah. and that kind of goes back into how we started this show with the Bucs emphasis on running the ball and bringing in the offensive coordinators that kind of fit that mold that Todd Bowles yeah. wants.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've been a proponent of bringing back Chase Edmonds. And I, I agree with you guys, what you've said throughout the, the episodes this week, uh, yesterday's show, I believe. About him probably being better in that RB three role. I don't. I don't think you. I don't know if you necessarily want him to be the guy you have to go to as the change of pace. Um, but I think he's a good guy to have. So if they can draft someone, someone like Ray Davis to pair with Rashad White, I, I would really like that running back room of of the rookie Rashad White and and Chase Edmonds as the veteran because I think there's a lot of value in that. But Ray Davis out of the running backs here at the Senior Bowl mm-hmm. has been by far my favorite so far um it looks like he has great vision good burst he's just he runs hard um i mean you saw that that athleticism with that but one-handed catch yeah. and i think he, i think he made he almost made a one-handed catching also yesterday was one that he made high point of the ball near the sideline i'm not sure he got his feet down but just the athleticism to make the catch itself um one of those things that that you love to see out of out of a running back and A guy that's been very exciting to watch at points throughout the week.
0: And another reason I would like to see him on the box is that I can uh, make picks for him over at underdog fantasy. Use that promo code pewter. That's P E W T E R. When you first sign up and download the app, there's one more NFL game. Now you can do it for underdog fantasy this year. And of course, that's the big game, the Super Bowl. But you're in luck because you can do it for a bunch of different sports as well. Of course, the big ones that we all know, the NFL, well, the NHL, MLB, and the NBA. You're just picking a number of different stats that are higher or lower on receiving yards or touchdowns or tackles. If it's something like the NBA, it'll be points and rebounds. So it's super fun to do. You pick at least two players. one from each team, but you can go all the way up to five players and win up to 20 times your money in a single event. So, um, once again, download the app Underdog Fantasy. Use that promo code Pewter. That's P-E-W-T-E-R. Shout out to our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. Um, Another guy, sticking with the wide receivers, and then we're going to talk a little more defense again. Uh, one of the wide receivers that once again just continues to dazzle out there is uh, Jamari Thrash out of Louisville. This guy is tearing it up, and there are a lot of big names in the Senior Bowl this year. Whether it's Brendan Rice, whether it's Lad McConkey, who obviously has a lot of notoriety from what he's done with the University of Georgia, Go Dogs, but this guy thrash just seems like every time I look up, first of all, I have to turn my head down the field because he's already five yards past the cornerback or safety. That's trying to guard him, but he is as electric as it gets. I mean, he was a guy that I wasn't necessarily truly involved or interested in at the moment, but now he is much, much more on my radar. I'm not saying he reminds me of this player, but, in the sense of when Christian Watson went to the senior bowl, who's down with the Packers, someone that I didn't really know that well. And then he just kind of burst onto the scene at the senior bowl and really helped this stock to make green Bay go and draft him would not be surprised. If we saw that from Jamari Thresh as well, but let me ask you Bailey in terms of looking at the bucks, if they do decide to go with the wide receiver three, and let's just say in an earlier round. So Uh, Trey Palmer can continue to kind of grow and develop. Do you want a guy that has a little bit more size like Mike Evans and can go up, get after the ball or, and and separate, or do you want a little bit of a smaller wide receiver? I'm not going to ask you to like name anyone specifically, but someone that's got a little more speed and maybe tackle breaking ability.
1: Yeah. I I would probably prefer a a bigger body receiver at this point. It's more of what the bucks are missing outside of Mike Evans. They have, you know the, the speed they have the smaller receivers they have you know the you know what Chris Godwin kind of does it all but yeah they they were kind of lacking outside of Mike Evans who you know we we hope to see come back and you'd think that he would be back but still he's going to be 31 years old and, and you kind of want that next guy who's going to be your big your big receiver your big target down in the red zone big high touchdown produ- uh, production they just don't have that guy next up yet so that would be kind of what I would see as the biggest target for the Bucks and you're looking long-term Chris Godwin's going to be on his last year, his deal as well. So we don't know what his future is going to look like. Maybe you see a couple different receivers in this draft, or maybe you see them sign one in the off season um, and in free agency, because they're going to have to kind of build out that receiver room. That's looking a little bare as, as you're looking at it long-term.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the room is so bare. They don't even have a coach, a wide <laughs> receivers coach. That's how, what we're looking at with the Buccaneers. Let's get to this comment I saw from Smil- Felix Schmidt who says, Wrong. We need yards after the catch. Well, you can still find a big receiver that can still get the yak, but I hear you. you want the fast guy, the, the, the tackle breaker, a little bit more of a Malachi Corley and um, Amon Ross St. Brown is in the league, but a guy that has a little more size, Xavier Leggett from South Carolina. You saw the video before another player that can go deep down the field, clearly has athleticism and playmaking ability with what he was able to do with that catch that he made today. But let's turn our attention over to the defense a little bit. There's, Mal, uh, there's Xavier Leggett uh, from South Carolina, who's playing with his quarterback, Spencer Radler, at the moment. But I uh, want to talk about the cornerbacks as well. DJ James from Auburn, I thought, played quite well today. Another Louisville player, Jarvis Brownlee, really, really stole the show for me. Um, he's wearing number 19 this week. And in case anyone's in Mobile and wants to go check out tomorrow's practice, like I said before, very difficult with these one on one wide receiver to cornerback dealings, if you will. Yeah, he has decent size, he can get in your face, he's hard nosed and he's physical and he plays until the last second, which I absolutely love. He does not give up on any play. And what's important for me personally when watching a cornerback and looking at a defense, we've seen it with the Bucs. They drop a lot of interceptions because a lot of times they are covering, covering, covering. Oh, shoot, the ball is here. Damn, I dropped it. There are other corners out there that anticipate the play. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. That anticipate the play, whether they know what route the receiver is going to run, Or they're reading the quarterback's eyes and say, all right, he's going here. And then they jump in. I'm not saying get crazy aggressive, but they're able to jump in just a little bit and know that they have to catch it and head down the field. And I think uh, Brownlee definitely possesses that trait. Um, And then Chris Abrams-Drain from Missouri, I I thought, was another cornerback that made a couple plays, didn't take the ball away, but, but had a PBU out there. Enjoyed watching him got the better of some of the receivers in the afternoon and then sticking with Missouri the last defensive player that I thought um, really showed out Darius Robinson he had uh, from Missouri he had a rush at the end of practice it was like one of the last ones where the offense was trying to run a screenplay and sure like at times the they you're supposed to let the defender go but in this case I'm telling you, he just beat the tackle off the edge and got there so fast. The quarterback just had to spike it down into the ground. And obviously, D line, edge rusher, pass rush is one of the big positions that the Bucs may fill um, you know, within the first round of this year's draft. I think it's probably one of
1: their, their biggest needs. It's probably one of their earliest targets in that draft, depending on how the board falls. I think, you know, looking for that that top pass rusher. Uh, to add to that room is a huge priority for them, and we've seen some good ones this week. And I know there's some some that aren't here uh, that will be you know on display at the combine uh, and throughout the rest of the, the pre-draft process. But yeah, there, there's there's quite a few here. And going back to some of the the DBs, uh, Avery Strain from Missouri, I think he's put together two good days in a row. Yeah, um, he's one of them. Brownlee, I didn't get to see as much of Brownlee today, but I from what you you've said, from what I've seen, you know, just uh, in the wider you know analysis of, of today. Is that he he had a really good day um, as well? So we'd like to look at him tomorrow. And then somebody I, I watched a lot yesterday and saw some of today is Auburn safety Jalen Simpson. Um, he, he made a play yesterday where it was just, it was again, it was one of, one of those one on ones. And you, know, you talk about it. it's not really going to favor the, the defender in that situation, but he just was, he stuck to the guy, you know, probably 10, 10 12 yards down the field and didn't even really have to make a play on the ball because he, he gave out no leverage. There was, the guy was just mm-hmm. stuck to the sideline, and all the quarterback could do was throw the ball out of bounds. There was no chance the receiver could get it. He also made a really nice pass breakup uh, yesterday on Ben Sennett, the Kansas State tight end, when you know, he knocked yep. that ball away. So he made a couple couple plays. I saw him make a couple plays today, too. So kind of a, a more slender guy. I don't know that he's necessarily um, the, the perfect fit for what the Bucs need, but somebody who's been out there making plays and, and want to give him some shine as well.
0: Now, after practice, like we said before, we got to go to the convention center and, and talk to these players in a little bit more of a formal uh, setting because after practice, we usually get like 10 minutes. Everyone's running around. <laughs> you don't know where anyone is. Yeah. Um, so it was good to get a little more uh, face time with these players. And there was one player in particular that cares a lot about Tampa. And he was calling Tampa his home. And if you want to buy a home in the Tampa Bay area, The best realtor to deal with is Eric Gross and the Eric Gross Realty Group. It takes a full team effort to win a football game and it takes a full team effort to win in real estate. The Eric Gross Group has done hundreds of transactions in this crazy real estate market and has experience in all types of situations. Eric is an avid Pewter Report reader. We've had him on the show a couple of times and looking forward to having him on again. And he's a Tampa native whose father was stationed at McDill Air Force Base. He and his team have the market knowledge, top-notch communication, and commitment to excellent service that sets them apart. With their strong team of vendors and a network of over 85,000 agents, the Eric Gross Group will turn your dream of buying or selling a home into a reality. Their clients are not just transactions. They are lifelong friendships. Don't let the stress of buying or selling a home keep you out of the game. Let the Eric Gross Group take the pressure off. Find them on Facebook and Instagram and uh, check out their website, housesinfla.com or give them a call at 513-907-4271. That's housesinfla.com and 513-907-4271. No matter where you are on your home ownership journey, you'll feel welcome with the Eric Rose Group, the official realty group of the Pewter Report podcast and pewterreport.com. So, of course, the, the person I am talking about is Washington quarterback Michael Penix Jr., who grew lived in the Tampa area for a little while back in his high school playing days. Gave a shout out to Tampa, Florida, after they beat Texas to go in the college football playoff to go to the national championship game. I asked Michael Penix today, "What does Tampa mean to you, Michael Penix?" What he said: "What does the city of Tampa mean to you? It's home. You know, it's home. I'm originally from Dane City, Florida, 30 minutes north of Tampa. I moved out to Tampa uh, my last two years of high school. You know, but um, man, that's home. You know, it's still it's still home here." Man, they, they it means it means everything. You know that's where I
1: grew up. You know that's where you know I came from. You know so it's it's my it's my it's my background and um, it's gonna be on me forever. I got it tattered on me. It's, it's always on me. So
0: I know people feel a number of ways about Michael Penix and can he make it in the NFL? How much of the injury history uh, will affect his draft status? But it's cool to see a a, a Tampa local get. A little bit more of a national stage Bailey, really, we didn't talk too much about the quarterbacks i don't know what you saw today or what your opinion was of um of the quarterbacks that we that we watched let's say coming into the week i was really excited
1: about this group of quarterbacks I thought it was a huge improvement over the quarterback group from last year at the senior bowl I haven't been overly impressed throughout the first two days of practice and I, I think probably the best one yesterday was sam hartman from notre dame i think he had a pretty good day himself as well um I haven't been overly impressed with bo Nix and I just thought it's it's been a little weird, and I haven't think I don't think they've really have given Michael Penix a chance to to show off his arm. You know what we saw him do at Washington with those great receivers that he had in that that Huskies offense. So nothing overly impressive from the quarterback so far. I, you know, as great as the wide receiver group is here, you know yeah. I, I've seen too many times where the, the receiver gets separation and the quarterback just can't hit him. So maybe a, a th- Thursday will be a, a better day for the quarterbacks, and maybe they'll turn it on for the game on Saturday, but. Um, yeah, I mean, over, overall, it's been you
0: know a little disappointing from what I expected coming into the week. I hate to say it, but I, I agree. Not that I don't like agreeing with you, <laughs> but in this case of the quarterbacks, yeah. I think Panix has been average at best. Hartman's been okay. Really, haven't enjoyed what I've watched from Knicks. And on the other team, it's really just Pratt that yeah, like uh, Pratt. he had a solid day today through a great laser of a uh, football threading the needle. So, yeah, hopefully we get some better quarterback play tomorrow. I think that would be super um, important for this team. We have a little bit of last-second breaking news. The Bucs are going to be interviewing another offensive coordinator candidate, also coming from the uh, Detroit Lions. Liam Cohn, is that correct? Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's from the Rams. He's and former Rams coordinator. Okay, former Kentucky and former Rams coordinator, uh, Liam Cohen, going to be interviewing for the offensive coordinator job as well. Again, Rams system, Baker Mayfield played there for a little bit, so there's your connection once again. Bailey, I don't know if this offensive coordinator – search will will ever end you know what's bizarre is
1: i can't remember exactly how long it was last year i think it was longer it feels it feels like it's already been extremely long but yeah. now it's only left <laughs> what last thursday so yeah. we're coming up on a week and i think it's felt more like a two or two or three weeks so we'll see where they go i i think you know we talked about it yesterday and i i said i don't know that anyone overly has me overly excited about the you know the direction that they'd be going on offense but you know beggars can't be choosers i guess and they're they're kind of Casting a wide net and trying to find, you know, that
0: next special guy and we'll see what they come up with. Well, whatever they decide to do, you can find all of the coverage, content and everything, whether it's the Bucks coaching search, whether it's the senior bowl, you can find it all at pewterreport.com. Please make sure you are following our social media on X, Facebook, threads and Instagram at Peter Report, and our YouTube channel is Report TV, where we have tons and tons of content that are all bucks related guys this has been so much fun doing it this week there will be no show tomorrow as we are traveling back to tampa after the practices conclude in mobile uh, for tomorrow's practices um, we make our way back to tampa but then we'll be back with the podcast next week at its regular scheduled time at 4 p.m so it's been great talking to everybody thank you so much for bailey adams for scott reynolds and the rest of the pewter report crew I'm Matt Matera saying thanks everybody for watching and we'll see you next week for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out. Out.